Well, there's nothing that goes better with football than beer, and we're excited to have Golden Road Brewing as one of our newest sponsors for the show. Founded in 2011, Golden Road is Los Angeles' largest craft brewery with brew pub locations across California. Golden Road is excited to celebrate the Kansas City Chiefs with its partnership beer, Kingdom Blonde Ale. Kingdom Blonde is available at local retailers and in the Chiefs Stadium during regular seasons. Golden Road's year-round offerings include Mango Cart Wheat Ale, Wolf Pup IPA, and Fruit Cart Hard Seltzer. Golden Road brewers are constantly experimenting with the freshest ingredients to keep fans' taste buds happy with a collection of rotating seasonals, creative flavors, and classic craft brews. Pick up a case of Golden Road beer at your local store to enjoy before the next game. Visit goldenroad.la slash beerfinder to buy Golden Road beer now. This is your Olympic hero and former WWE champion, Kurt Angle. And I just wanted to give a shout out to my guys, Clint and Noah. When it comes to covering sports, there is no one better. And believe me, that's true. It's damn true. Gentlemen, you are the top 1%. The elite. Best of the best. You are now listening to the Elite Sports Podcast. Brought to you by Vermeil Wines and powered by GASN Sports. The pinnacle of hard-hitting sports talk. Featuring weekly expert analysis and top-notch interviews. And now, please welcome your hosts, Noah Groniger and Clint Schweitzer. Welcome to the Elite Sports Podcast. I am Clint Schweitzer. I'll tell you what, this week on the show we're going to be doing a Chiefs Panthers preview and we're going to be doing it with none other than former nine-year NFL veteran, played his entire career for the Carolina Panthers, Mike Rucker, also played his college football at Nebraska. He's from St. Joe here on the Missouri side, grew up a huge Chiefs fan, and his brother Martin went to Mizzou where you know he became an All-American at the University of Missouri, and it's around the time that Missouri went to number one in the nation in 07, and they started beating Nebraska. So there's got to be some uh, kind of some hilarious stories from Mike Rucker about Martin going to Nebraska. So buckle up for another tremendous interview right here on the Elite Sports Podcast. Guys, we have so much still to come here on the Elite Sports Podcast, but we want to take this time to tell you about our new sponsor, 500 Level. 500 Level is the ultimate sports apparel and fan gear store, and they feature ultra-comfortable custom t-shirts for NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and even WWE. I just got a Macho Man Randy Savage shirt from 500 Level that has been a conversation starter everywhere I go. 500 Level was created because they decided it was time to create an apparel company that put the fans right in the mix instead of having to outfit themselves with the same old gear from major corporations. 500level.com works with exceptionally talented artists, designers, and diehard sports fans to create unique t-shirt designs for fans to wear with pride. I mean, here in Kansas City, it's time to defend that Lombardi trophy. So stock up in 500 Level's unbelievable inventory of never-before-seen designs for players like Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, or even rookie Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You literally can't find that anywhere else. Use promo code KansasCity20 today for 20% off your order at 500level.com. That's promo code KansasCity20 for 20% off only at 500level.com. Hey, doing great. Thank you so much for for jumping on with us, man. I know you're busy. and Get ready to head out on, on a big hunting trip, I assume. I mean, it's deer season. Is that is that what we're going to be looking at here, Get taking down some uh, some bucks and whitetails this it's a little, little, bit, little bit bigger. It's going to be elk. Going elk. Oh, right. Yeah, Colorado. Oh, in Colorado. Oh, my gosh, man. I'm so jealous of that. Well, 
here in Missouri, where, where you're from, where, where I live, we're, we're experiencing a bit of an Indian summer. It's like 70 degrees today. So it's kind of different, man. We're, we're kind of enjoying it, uh, but it's all good, man. It's, it's football season and we're playing football, sort of, at least at your former school at Nebraska, they've had to cancel a game already. The, the Big Ten was kind of late to the game. What, what did you think about all that with uh, the Big Ten finally starting to play, Nebraska plays a game, and then you've got a cancellation and it's just been kind of difficult, hasn't it? It has. I think the the biggest thing was that um, the, the Big Ten saw that, you know, the game could be played uh, in a, a safe manner and that you have to be flexible. I think that's the thing with sports this year is that you have to be flexible. And as a player, once you get on board saying, hey, we got two options, either we stay at home, we don't play or we play under these rules. And I think the majority of the people are saying, hey, we'll play under these rules and a lot of the a lot of the sports have good things in place to uh, adapt when things happen. Well, you won two national titles at Nebraska. Your former teammate uh, Scott Frost uh, takes over the helm, and uh, you know now in his third year. What what, what do you uh, what do you know about Scott as a person? For, you know, having been his teammate back in '97, what what is it about him? Did you know back then that like this guy kind of maybe has uh, you know leadership? leadership skills that could lead him to being a top-notch head coach and how do you feel uh, you know about how kind of that he's done at Nebraska so far yeah I've, I've known Scott for a long time and um, you know he's an athlete a lot of people didn't really uh, know him before he got to Nebraska outside of Nebraska uh, he's a very talented athlete played in the NFL um, at, at different positions but at the end of the day um, as a father if I was looking at a football program first of all I want my son to be able to, that coach to be able to take my son to the next level as a young man. So as a father, I build my kid up and then I'm going to hand him off to this coach. I'm asking this coach then to take that baton and help him grow as a young man. And that's the kind of guy that I believe Scott is that, you know, when these kids are going to the University of Nebraska, he's going to help them develop uh, and, and mature into the men that they need to be through the game of football, through the university and the books. That's first and foremost. Second of all, uh, from the football side of things, I think that they, from a fabric standpoint, from a Nebraska standpoint, they're doing the right things. They have not put the W's up in the, in the column that needs to be there and what Nebraska fans expect. Sometimes that takes longer than, um, than uh, some other times. And I think that, you know, he's got some players there. I think that injuries um, have hurt him. Um, I believe that we can get back to it but it's going to take some time. It's going to take a little bit of luck. you got to get someone that says, you know what? I'm a, you know, three-star, four-star, whatever star, and I want to take a chance on this program. That's the kind of little bit of luck that you need uh, to be able to get over that hump. And you got to be competitive. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, time will tell on that because, you know, right now the Big Ten is just trying to get through a season. I don't know how much you can put on – on this for, for really any coach, let alone a, a, a program that may only get to play six or seven games. You know, Wisconsin has uh, had another game canceled. It's just kind of crazy. We're just trying, glad that games are being played and we're trying to get this thing back rolling. But uh, I, I told your brother, Martin, I'd ask you this. And I kind of joked with him because, you know, I, you know, we're here in Missouri. I, I cover the Missouri Tigers on a daily basis. I grew up a huge Mizzou fan. Your brother, Martin, comes to Mizzou back, uh, you know, in, in 2005. And builds uh, helps Missouri build in, into a, you know, a top flight program during that time. And they start beating Nebraska a little bit. And I told him I'd ask you kind of what your emotions were about that when Martin first decided to go to Mizzou, becomes an all big 12 and all American performer. And then Missouri starts beating Nebraska. What, what was, what was that like for you as a, as a big brother? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think to be able to tell the story, we gotta we gotta get back in a time machine. We gotta go back before that. When I was coming through in, in 1994 and I was being recruited by Nebraska, all I wanted to do was go to MU. I was loyal. I was a I was a Missouri guy all the way through, and no one could tell me anything different. The problem was they didn't recruit me. They didn't recruit me up until December, and Nebraska had been recruiting me the whole year. And so as I got to that point, I felt like, well, shoot, you know, um, I'm going to go where I've, I've been wanted. And so thus, I went to Nebraska. Now, that was a great move uh, by me. You know, we ended up getting winning three national championships. Uh, we we're in the mix the whole time through the glory days. My brother and I were 10 years apart. So while I'm in college, he's like 10 years old. So he's coming to the barbecues. He knows all the guys. And so he's like these big mountains and, and, and he's loving. And that's all he wanted to do. That's all he wanted to do was to go to Nebraska. And so when it was that opportunity, I was really disappointed because um, I think at the time it was Coach Solich, um, they, they wanted him to walk on. And that was just kind of a, a slap in the face. Uh, and I was very disappointed at, at my school for, for not offering him that scholarship. But, you know, the Lord lays everything out in the right way. So, you know, T goes to the University of Missouri, which when you look at their history and their heyday, um, he was part of that. And um, so, you know, once he, you know, we still had a little bickering going over Thanksgiving, but at the end of the day, <laughs> he, he went to the right school for him. And he, uh, he, he thrived. And uh, as a family, we ended up uh, hitting our schools at the right time. That's really well said. What a cool story, you guys, from, uh, from St. Joe. You know, I'm here in Liberty right now. I'm at Liberty High School taking yeah. this right now in the, uh, in the locker room. So that's really cool. And what a story, both of you guys. I mean, then you, I mean for you, uh, Mike, you go on to have a, a nine-year NFL career. You play in a Super Bowl in 2003. You make a Pro Bowl in, in, in 03. Just talk about what that was like. Uh, you get drafted in the second round, and you talk about going to the right school for you. I mean, Nebraska certainly was that after winning those national championships uh, and being a part of one of those great defenses. We've had a lot of your former teammates on, including uh, Eric Warfield, former Kansas City Chief. What, when you think about your NFL career, when you reflect back on it, um, what, what do you kind of put in perspective? Because you played in the Super Bowl, could have easily won that in 03 against the Patriots. Talk to us about that nine-year NFL career and kind of what it did for you personally. Yeah, I have to go back to being eight, nine years old and having a dream of wanting to play in the National Football League, but not necessarily knowing how to get there because uh, locally we really didn't have a, any role models that said, okay, you can really get out of this town and really make it big. It was really just a pipe dream. And so to be able to go to University of Nebraska um, and then being able to be drafted Man, I can't tell you the just I was just happy to be there. Now, I set goals. I set short term goals, long term goals. Uh, I wanted to get there, but I also wanted to stay there. And so I think at the end of the day, uh, once I got there, it was like, am I willing to learn? How am I going to stay here? And so that meant, you know, you know, playing, playing a year with uh, Kevin Green uh, and learning from him, playing a year with Reggie White and learning from him and guys like Chuck Smith and Julius Peppers. So. I'm, I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to take care of my body. I'm willing to put in the hard work. I'm willing to sacrifice. And um, I felt like I was a blue collar type guy. Wasn't going to be all the, the fame and glitz and glamour. Um, I was going to be that guy that showed up with his, his lunch pail and put, put in the work. And so those first couple of years were hard. 
I mean, at one point in time, my third year, we go one and 16. At the hmm. University of Nebraska, we, we, we didn't lose very often. And so, <laughs> like, I, I had, and this is, this is weird what I'm about to say, but my first year, I had to learn how to lose. Because when we would lose in, in, in the pros, like, I just, like, would take it home with me. And it just really was, like, depressing me and really bothered me because wasn't used to that. And what I mean by learn how to lose, it was like dealing with it with the media, dealing with, with it at home is how I had to learn with it. And then being able to um, have a new coach and Coach Fox buying into his system and then it all paying off in 2003, going to the Pro Bowl, going to the Super Bowl, um, and just having a nine-year career was, was, was a blessing. Well, absolutely. And you talked about some of the great players you played with, but, my, you know, just looking back at that, at that roster, I mean, Jake DeLone was your quarterback. I mean, Stephen Davis at running back. You had Mushin Muhammad and Steve Smith at receivers. And then your defensive line, which was insane. Brinston Buckner, who's a good friend of ours, and a defensive line coach in the NFL, with Chris Jenkins, yourself, Julius Peppers. What, I, just kind of talk about some of those teammates. You talked about some of the ones that had an impact on you as you tried to learn the game. But, man, that roster was really loaded, wasn't it? It was. And, and I've been through a lot of different rosters. But what made this one special – was you had a couple guys that were eh, towards the back end of their career. So you had that little, that veteran leadership. You had some young guys that were emerging. You know, Steve Smith, when he first got here, he was punt returner, you know, and people said he's too small to play wide receiver. Well, Dan Henning and the offensive coordinator and the team, they ended up putting him at wide receiver. You're getting to learn from Moussa Muhammad, and then he just takes off. So we had this nice balance of, of like maybe – like a Julius Peppers, who on a national stage, everybody knew his name. But then you had some just blue-collar guys where, you know, like a, a Kevin Donnelly, some guys that were on the offensive line that maybe didn't have that national name. But they fit into this puzzle, and everybody was willing to sacrifice something for the greater good. And uh, at the end of the day, the team was light-footed. We laughed. We joked. Um, you know, we heard Gerard Cooper, who played at K-State, he played a big part um, on our special teams and he was like the jokester of the team. So he kept it light. Um, but it was a team that just gelled at the right time and uh, were able to uh, make some noise. What, what are your memories of uh, Super Bowl 38, uh, February 1st in, in uh, Tampa, Florida, in, in Florida? Uh, and I'm sorry, Houston, Texas was that one. Uh, Super Bowl 38 in, in, uh, in Houston against uh, the course the New England Patriots. This is sort of the beginning of the Patriot dynasty. And you had this offensive explosion in the, in the fourth quarter. This is the Janet Jackson game yeah. as well. There's all this kind of going on. Is what are your memories of that game? The Patriots had to come back and win late. Adam Vinatieri, as he often did during that, uh, makes a game-winning field goal. But uh, you talked about taking things home with you and losses. Was there any loss or any loss that was more difficult for you to process than, than that one Super Bowl? It was, it was one of those years where, you know, it started off with week one where we had a um, you know, Rodney Pete uh, was actually our starting quarterback and wasn't playing well. Jake DeLone came in against Jacksonville. So we had to come from behind to win that game. And so that year we were, we were calling the cardiac cats. There was probably three, yeah. four games where we came from behind where we had a block a kick or an extra point to win a game. And so that we started believing in that. And so no matter what situation we were in that year, we thought that we'd find a way to win. And so the Super Bowl was no different. Um, you're playing a young, young Tom Brady. Yeah. His prime, very well coached team. When you look at that roster, you'll hear a lot of guys' names. 
um, you know, in, in the Hall of Fame and so forth. But at the end of the day, we were down. And until that kick went through the goalpost, we felt like we would block it, we would find a way to win. And, um, and so, unfortunately, it went through and we, we lost that game by three points. Personally, would help me get over that because I, I took it very hard. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it to making the Super Bowl. Um, was going to my first Pro Bowl. And so um, I left the next day to Hawaii and that with my family, it was still stinging on the airplane, but that helped me get over um, some of that emotional down slump that I was in. Well, i got to ask you about uh, the hometown Kansas City Chiefs here. You're from St. Joe, the Chiefs uh, coming off of a Super Bowl championship, actually hosting the Carolina Panthers this weekend. I don't know how much attention you, you, you pay to the Carolina Panthers these days, but uh, Christian McCaffrey back in the fold, Teddy Bridgewater really doing a solid job, and they've got some good offensive weapons. Matt Rule looks like a, a solid head coach here at first year with the Carolina Panthers. Kind of how do you see this shaking out as, uh, as the Panthers come to Arrowhead to play your hometown Chiefs? You're, you're uh, an alumni of the uh, Carolina Panthers playing the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are on a roll again with Patrick Mahomes uh, as, they, as they have tended to be with, uh, since he joined the organization. Yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs, um, I cannot lie, that's my first love. Uh, growing up a Chiefs fan, watching like Neil Smith and Dron Cherry and and, um, and then Christian Okoye and, and those guys, um, just a huge Chiefs fan. And so uh, that's never left my heart. But playing the Carolina Panthers and, and being able to cover them and, and to see them around here, Coach Rule, I, I really like him. Um, you know, he's got high energy. Um, he's got a nice mix of guys that were from the last coaching staff. And then he's brought some guys that he knew either from Baylor or from, from uh, college up at Temple. And uh, he's got a really good mix. And then uh, with, with Brady at the, at the helm at the OC, they, this offense has got a lot of weapons. They got a lot of speed and uh, Bridgewater has done a really good job of just kind of stepping in, kind of taking off from where he was with the saints and, and he can throw the ball really well. He's really managing this offense um, been lacking Christian McCaffrey the last few weeks in this little losing slump. But this is a great measuring stick, right? Because you've got the defending champs who have kind of really picked up where they left off last year, playing really well, high energy, a lot of speed on offense. So it's going to really give this defense a, a test. But if you talk about a strong point for the Carolina Panthers um, is some of their speed, especially up front and linebacker. Um, you know, Brian Burns is another one of those young defensive ends in a second year that's got a lot of speed. So look at maybe finding ways to, to have some eyeballs on the home and uh, being able to kind of mirror him and some of the speed that the Kansas City Chiefs have. Uh, I think it's going to be a really, really good game. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of speed on this field. I, I can't wait. I, I like what the Panthers are doing. I think maybe they're, you know, a year away or so. But, I, you know, before we let you go, Mike, and I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us uh, here this week. I want to talk to you kind of what you've been up to since, since you retired. You spent your entire nine-year career in Carolina, and I know you've done, uh, you know, you've done some commentating on uh, preseason games for the Carolina Panthers on the Panthers Television Network. I know you've got a real estate brokerage. Kind of tell us what's been up and, and kind of where people can find you if they, if they want to get a hold of you and, some of, and check out kind of some of the things you're doing Absolutely. these days. Yeah, you know, one of the things when I was playing was I knew that I wouldn't play forever. And um, so as I was going through my career, I would do internships. I would just really immerse myself into the community. I love my community here and uh, very active. And so once I got to a point, we started our real estate firm, uh, Vision Group Realty, um, in 2004. And that's just a residential um, 
full brokerage real estate firm. And so that's kind of kept um, us again back into the community with a flexible schedule. My wife, Christina, she runs the office, but we still are part of our community. We still plug in. We still, um, you know, do different charity works and supporting other charities in, in, in the uh, area and as well as back home um, because, you know, my majority of my family on both sides are between that Omaha, Lincoln, Kansas City little triangle. So um, we're staying very busy. We've got three kiddos. That's a job in itself. <laughs> oh, I know. I know your brother is going through that exact same thing around here, and we're glad to have Martin in, in our community here. You guys are just a tremendous family. And I guess I, I guess I got to bring one, up one more thing because I got to exercise a, a few demons here because one of my earliest memories of, of Missouri football is uh, back in 1997. Nebraska comes in. You know where I'm going with this, Mike, because yeah. I think Jermaine Wiggins wound up uh, on the roster there with the Panthers with you later on. And uh, he kicked a ball and sort of um, dashed a few Tiger fan dreams on that day, that November day in Columbia. What is your memories of the kicked ball game? Matt Davidson flying in, makes the reception, and uh, you guys win a national championship as a result. Yeah, yeah you know, it was um... – you know, when we when we got there in 97, anytime that I'm coming, whether it's the Chiefs or the Tigers, um, I got family and friends there. And so coming back to Missouri, I remember that year, I was just so excited. Um, you know, I was playing a lot and, you know, starting. And so um, I just remember, you know, Grant Winstrom, uh, Web City guy. Um, oh, yeah. We missed each other in high school. We'd go to Nebraska together. Now we're both back here. We had a lot of Missouri guys on that on that squad. And I remember a barn burner and I remember growing up and watching a lot of Missouri games where they would upset teams. And there was a point in time where I thought, and man, they, they might, they might get us. And for us to be able to find a way to go into overtime and Scott Frost was our quarterback, you know, that year, we just didn't give up. And Matt Davison and, and, and uh, Shevin Wiggins, uh, right time, right place. And I just remember vividly, you know, that kick. And I just remember all the, the fans, Missouri fans that were on the hill, just rushing the goalpost. They were going straight beeline for that, that goalpost and they waved it off. And, um, and it was just, uh, it was just, people were stunned. And I just remember, you know, going into overtime and, and, and Grant Winstrom and myself sat Corby Jones to, to end it in overtime. And um, I just remember that was, uh, it was kind of one of those dreams come true because you knew all your family and friends, no matter where they were at in the state, were watching that game. And so a uh, very special game. One of, one of my memories, one of my highlights. It's still to this day, one of the greatest college football games I've ever seen. And uh, all these years later, I think I'm finally you know, over it personally, especially knowing now some of the great teammates from you guys, uh, Grant's uh, family lives right next to, to my aunt and uncle in, in, in Webb City. So it's kind of a small world. It's crazy. World. But Mike, I tell you what, man, cannot thank you enough. Uh, have a great, have a great trip out there, man. I hope everything goes well. Uh, definitely take, bring back a couple and um, hope it goes well, man. Thank you so much. Rucker family, you guys are the best and we can't thank you guys enough for everything that you've done for the community around here, the community you're in now in, in, in Carolina. Thank you so much and uh, we'll have to catch up again soon, my friend. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks for having me on.